All right, well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to uh, One Hope Online. Uh, my name is Joel, and it's great to have you here on Good Friday. Um, massive thank you to Roxanne for leading us in a time of song and reflection and you know, really great words there at the end, not just, I mean, reading through Isaiah was beautiful. And then the words of that song, you know, Jesus strong and kind, that he comes to us and he shows us on that cross that he will come to me. And that's really the message of Good Friday and what we're focusing on this morning with Jesus being our good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for, our sheep, for the sheep. And so this morning, yeah, like I said, we're going to be focusing on two of these I am, I am statements. Jesus the good shepherd and also Jesus being the door. He's the one who dies our death and he's also the one who leads us to life. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to read from John chapter 10. I encourage you to follow along, to take notes, to engage, to reflect and to really assess your heart this morning and see what is it that I believe about Jesus and the cross. And I'm believing and trusting that as God speaks, he will lead us to himself and that we'll find life as we believe in him. So John chapter 10, verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves them and he flees. And the wolf comes, snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life. For the sheep. So two statements that we want to look at. The good shepherd who dies our death. And Jesus the door who gives us life. That's what we want to look at this Good Friday. So firstly the good shepherd who dies our death. Numerous times in our passage Jesus says that he is the good shepherd. Which he defines himself. He says it means that he cares for his sheep. He knows his sheep. And then he lays down his life for the sheep. It is this loving self-sacrifice. And sacrifice is not something that's foreign to us in our culture. It's something we hear about all the time. Whether it's talking about wars from the past, we often talk about the sacrifice that was made. Even when you're down at the footy club and you hear the coach talking to his players, he's urging them to sacrifice for each other to put their body on the line for the betterment of the team. When we talk about our parents and we honour them, we reflect on the sacrifices they've made so that us kids can have a better life. Or just think of any of the great movies that you've seen, and chances are there is self-sacrifice central to the plot. Whether it's Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, Moana, The Lion King... Uh, Avengers Endgame, pretty much every other superhero movie, they all have an element of sacrifice in them. Sacrifice is not something foreign to us. In fact, it's probably something that's revered 
and it's vital to our lives and storytelling. Why is that? I think it's because sacrifice is vital to love. Love is all about putting someone else's benefit above your own, which usually requires an element of self-sacrifice. It's Love is about being more focused on the benefit of another rather than the cost on yourself. It's more than duty. It's more than job. It's more than a task. It's in love. It's something you delight to do. You delight to see the benefit of someone else and you delight to then lay down your life for that other person's gain. And this is exactly how the Bible describes love. In 1 John chapter 3, it says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And so we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. In the next chapter, John writes again, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. That laying down of our life, that sacrifice is key element to love. And so when Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd, it's more than his duty. It's more than a task. It's more than just a role that he has to play. It is something that he is doing out of love. And this morning, maybe this morning is simply just a reminder that you need to hear that Jesus loves you. That the good shepherd cares for you. And he lays down his life you and the ultimate display of that is on the cross which we remember this morning good friday is all about jesus laying down his life for the sheep and dying our death see when it comes to the cross you need to ask well why the cross why did jesus have to die why did the good shepherd have to lay down his life and well when you look at every religion or every world view They all end somewhere, whether it's heaven, nirvana, the afterlife, whether it is just something of a utopia that we are wanting to get to. Every worldview, every religion ends somewhere and it's all about doing the right things to get there. And even if you aren't religious, you probably look at the world and go, you know what, our world is not quite right. There's things aren't as it should be and now more than ever we can see that so clearly that it's not quite right but we all think if we do certain things if we change certain policies if we look after the environment if we love people enough if we do things maybe we'll get there and for thousands of years this has been the way of humanity but the bible offers an alternative yes we agree that the world is not as it should be. And the Bible describes that as sin. That we, like sheep, have gone astray, as we heard earlier. We have chosen to go on our own way. We've chosen to be independent, to seek a life without God. We go against the grain of creation. We get splinters along the way and we go this path of destruction. So we're guilty of rejecting and neglecting God. And The key thing for me is that's not just something that I see in the world, that's something I see within myself. Day to day, there is this bent to rejecting and neglecting God. So we're guilty of doing our own thing, going our own way against how things were designed to be, 
on a path of destruction. And yet Jesus comes in. He's sent to earth as a sacrifice to die and to take our penalty of sin. So that we don't have to do a bunch of things. Instead, it is done for us. And so the great cry on the cross is Jesus saying, it is finished. All the striving, all the guilt, all the shame, all the things that we had to try and do to get there. It says it is done. It is finished. The veil is torn. Jesus comes to us, lays down his life and calls us to himself. He dies our death and we receive his life. And it's, it's not a fair trade, but it's offered to us. And he's simply asked to accept and to believe. To believe that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he protects you, that he has died for you. My encouragement this morning is if this stirs something in your heart, that you would explore that, that you would accept that gift. And if it's something that you've accepted, that you would then reflect on it and find joy once again in it. And that we would follow our good shepherd. And the beauty of the cross is that it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop at, our sac- at a sacrifice or stop at the debt being erased or stop at atonement. But the cross in great irony is, for the Romans, it was an instrument of death. But for us as Christians, it's now a symbol of life. Because we can know Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the door to life. Have a look at verse 7. Truly I say to you, I am the door for the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. And Jesus defines that pasture and says, I've come that they may have life and have life in its abundance. And of course, the the juxtaposition in our passage is Jesus saying that there's thieves and robbers that came before. There's people who will come who will lead us astray, other voices that will seek to distract us, who will steal, kill and destroy. And in the context of John chapter 10, Jesus is focusing on the religious leaders, the Pharisees who are really failing to do their job. And you can look at Ezekiel 34, where God really um, you know, had, a, had an issue with the religious leaders and he promised that he would send a shepherd from the line of David. And so Jesus is not just picking nice words, but he's actually intentionally fulfilling a prophecy that was made 600 years earlier to be the shepherd in the context of these false teachers, in the context of these false promises, these other voices that lead us astray. And in our world, we can look at things like technology or people, careers, adventures, status, possessions, wealth, popularity, you know, all these voices, they cry out and they offer us so much. And yet time and time again, they fail to deliver. You know, despite all of its blessings, I'm sure that you've been disappointed by technology in the last couple of weeks. Things quite haven't worked out as you thought they would. Despite our great ability to love, I'm sure that you've been disappointed by people, even those close to you. All these other voices, Jesus says they're thieves and robbers because when they become the main thing in our lives, they end up stealing our time, they end up killing our relationships and eventually they end up destroying our souls when they are the main thing. 
As Jesus says earlier in Matthew, he says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? What good would it be to gain the world and yet forfeit your soul? And this isn't just a future thing, like what good is it to live a wealthy life on earth but then end up in hell, though there's probably an element to that in Jesus' words. There's also a present truth to it. It's like a a modern-day parable or proverb. What good is it to, to gain all these promotions and yet destroy the relationships on the way as you climb up the ladder and push others off? What good is it to spend years building your dream home and yet not spending time with people enough that you can actually fill that home with love? What good is it to get the highest test scores or you know, do really well in exams and yet fail to learn about life and, and faith and experience the goodness of God here and now? Like, What good is it to get all these things, to gain the world and yet forfeit your soul? What good is it to get all this and yet be empty on the inside? Jesus warns us that there are other voices that steal and kill and destroy. But he doesn't just warn us, he also invites us to an alternative. He invites us through a door that we will go through and find pasture. We can find life in all of its abundance. And if you've been following with us through John, all throughout it we see this focus on eternal life. Eternal life is mentioned 18 times in the book of John. It's mentioned six times in the book of 1 John, and the next highest book is Matthew with four times. John speaks about eternal life way more than any other book because he's trying to say that with Jesus there's something way more. There's something way more important than what this world has to offer. Which we see here in verse 10. That Jesus has come to give us life, and life in all of its fullness. And this word life is the same word that's usually used for eternal life. And the beautiful thing about John is it also describes what eternal life is. Jesus in chapter 17, he prays and says, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and you would know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So what we learn in John is that eternal life isn't just something we experience one day in heaven, though that is true. It is also something we experience here and now because we can know God. We can know Jesus. It is a relationship that is available to us here and now that we will experience one day fully in heaven, but we can experience more than enough here now on earth because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Friends, there is hope and there is joy and there is peace and there is great love in a relationship with Jesus. He is the door to life. And I know I'm not super old and experienced through life, but I truly believe that following Jesus is the best way that we can spend our time here on earth. And you look at the life that Jesus lived and, you know, he didn't have a house. He didn't have stacks of wealth. He had this ragtag group of followers that were ordinary, uneducated people. He was constantly threatened by the religious leaders of the day. He was rejected by the crowds. Hardly the picture of worldly success And yet he lived this life of fullness because he knew God. And because he knew God, he saw lives healed. He saw lives transformed and restored. He saw a kingdom advance that is still going to this day. As people follow him into this life of fullness. And they live this 
relationship here and now. So in the chaos of our world, Jesus enters into it. He doesn't remain distant, but he chooses to come and to lay down his life and to know and care for his sheep. And he promises that he is here. He's not absent, but he is present. And he doesn't promise that it'll all be all rosy and just everything will go perfectly well. But he says, I'll be with you through every storm, through every situation. He will be with us and we can know him. And as we know him, we have hope because we know his faithfulness and we know his future plan. As we know him, we can have joy because we know his great love. As we know him, we can have peace because we know he is present here with us. See, our world subtly tells us to chase after these worldly and temporary things. And Jesus warns us here today that they will steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus also offers us a better, healthier, more life-giving alternative of knowing him. And the best part about it is we don't have to do a bunch of things to do it. We don't have to walk these certain steps. We don't need to sort of perfect ourselves in a way. We don't have to be good enough. Instead, he just says, it is done. It is finished. You don't have to earn God's love. You can't even lose it. He just says, receive the gift. And that gift is offered to us again today. And it's reminded. It's a reminder for us here today. Do you receive the gift of love or do you reject it? You know, I want to wrap up by just looking at one character in the Easter story. The thief on the cross. Well, in fact, there was two of them. Jesus was there in the middle and then there was two other criminals on either side. These were guilty men who were receiving their due punishment. One criminal chooses to join in the mocking. Bagging out Jesus, while the other man turns to him, defends Jesus, and proceeds to ask for forgiveness. And how does Jesus respond? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will receive abundant life. This man, he dies, and yet he ends up in heaven. He gets to experience the full, loving life of a relationship with Jesus. And he had not done anything. He had not done all the right things. He had not followed all the laws. He hadn't lived this good life where he proved himself. He simply received a gift of forgiveness that was offered to him in a moment. He was guilty. He was not a great person. And yet he turns to Jesus and he finds life. Good Friday is a reminder for all of us. That it's not about earning our way. It's also not about losing it. God simply loves us. And he offers to us a relationship where we can know him. Where we can know that it is done. It is finished. Our debt has been erased. Our punishment has been filled. Our life has been bought. And we have an opportunity to turn to him again today. Whether you know it, whether you don't. I want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, 
that you consider what this day is all about, that you consider what the cross is all about, and that you would turn to him and find life. For those of you who do know Jesus, today is a reminder that the gospel is what we need. A reminder that we cannot earn God's love, that we cannot lose God's love, but we simply need to be reminded that he loves us and we can, that, that, that's so key for us just to know. And that if we trust him, if we turn to him, we continue to follow him, we believe that he will lead us to life here now and forevermore. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. God, that you don't remain absent, but you've chosen to come to this world to deal with our sin, to lay down your life in love, and then through the cross to lead us to life. And God, this morning, just once again, we want to trust in you. We want to turn to you. We want to believe that you are all that we need. And God, I pray that you would continue to transform our hearts, that you would be the one that we want. So even now, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, God, I pray that just in these moments of reflection, that you would strengthen our faith. That you'd help us to know you intimately. And that we would find life through your death and resurrection. Amen.